future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome once again. It is Friday, December 17th, 2021. Welcome to Raging Chickens Out to Coup Podcast. Yes, it is our Friday Politics Roundup. This is our last show of 2021, everybody. It's, uh, I cannot believe we're here already. Um, it seems like it's been, well, I don't know what it's been. I'm not even going to try to characterize it. Anyways, each week I talk to you, you know, the one, the only Sean Kitchen about the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. You can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as $5 a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress and become a member today for as little as 5 bucks a month. You know, price of a good beer. Head on over. You can also help out this show by heading on over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for the show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. On today's show, the FDA has permanently lifted a restriction on access to abortion pills. This will allow patients to receive the medication by mail instead of requiring them to schedule an in-person appointment with specially certified health care providers. The decision will not change state laws that ban the pills, but it's one piece of positive news in an otherwise dark future for abortion rights. President Joe Biden indicates that the Build Back Better bill will not be passed before the Christmas break, despite Democratic Senate leader Chuck Schumer's assurances that it would. The Senate, of course, had no problem passing the, you know, $768 billion one-year defense spending bill on a vote for 88 to 11. So we won't get critical climate action, paid family leave, or universal preschool or hearing aid coverage for this Christmas season, but we will get shiny nuclear weapons gotta love that and 1400 union workers at kellogg's may have an agreement that would end their 10-week strike but don't celebrate quite yet while negotiators said they have an agreement workers still need to vote on that agreement workers voted down the last tentative agreement after workers refused a tier two-tiered workforce that would have sold out newer workers solidarity oh yeah and schools in Pennsylvania and several other states have increased police presence around schools today in response to national TikTok trend threatening school bombings and shootings. Generally, officials are saying the threats are not credible, but are taking no chances. And I can vouch for this as on my, uh, uh, when I was dropping off my kids at school today, uh, there were extra police all around. And Bell Hooks, one of the most important black feminist writers, scholars, and activists, has died at the age of 69. This crushed me this week. She began writing her groundbreaking work, Ain't I a Woman? Black Women and Feminism, when she was a 19-year-old undergraduate. And her long collaboration with Cornell West, for example, provided some of the most important dialogic books for a generation of public intellectuals and activists. Her book, Teaching to Transgress, is one of the, one of the books that has informed my pedagogy and my thought, my thinking. She's been such a critical scholar, person. I've seen her speak several times in person. Um, that loss is going to be felt deeply. A little closer to home this week, democracy in Pennsylvania is not okay. Pennsylvania House Democrats stood up to the GOP's attacks on voting rights and the Democratic institutions protecting those rights this week. Progressives, led, led by Emily Kincaid, 
and um, Chris Rabb held a press conference Wednesday morning bringing attention to the GOP's efforts to undermine democracy and weaponizing constitutional amendments aimed at those institutions while leadership used the House floor to air their concerns. Republicans are pushing constitutional amendments that would immediately dissolve and gerrymander uh, uh, and gerrymander Pennsylvania's Supreme Court, change the court's 10-year term limits to two years, change the Secretary of State's appointed position to an elected position, allow fraud its, and give the legislature more control in overseeing elections. Yep, it is the, you know, the playbook that is happening um, in states across the country. The Legislative Reapportionment Committee released their preliminary House and Senate maps yesterday, and Republicans are upset at the House maps calling them a Democratic gerrymander. And water is wet. It's true. And the New York Times recently reported that Scott Perry and other friends from the Freedom Caucus attended key meetings with Trump to overturn the 2020 election. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And Philadelphia developer Ori Feibusch uh, used scab labor and someone died at his work site. Yep, the worker, uh, Sierra Marhuno, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, my butchering the pronunciation, I'm sure. Sierra Marhuno was employed by a company called DBCI LLC. DBCI had been subcontracted to work on the project by Huntington Valley-based construction company Hammers Contractors. Hammers had, in turn, been contracted by the, the Fittler Construction Group, which was managing construction for OCF, according to Philadelphia Inquirer. Subcontracting within subcontracting within scab labor within scab labor. There you have it. And three more Proud Boys from Philly were arrested Friday and charged in connection with the January 6th insurrection. Isaiah Giddens, Brian Helian, and Freedom Vi decided taking pictures of themselves flashing the white supremacist OK sign inside Senator Jeff Merkley's offices was a good idea at the time. <laughs> it's time to pay the piper. And today's last call, yep, NASA's James Webb Telescope is set to launch as early as Christmas Eve. That is December 24th, folks, and that's according to Space.com. The James Webb Telescope is NASA's next, quote, great observatory and is set to launch from, um, um, Guinea, uh, uh, from Guinea Space Center in Kourou, French Guinea. Oh, God, I'm having trouble with my mouth today. And SpaceX is looking at sexual harassment allegations from five former employees. How's that, Elon Musk, man of the year? And NASA's Ingenuity helicopter crossed the 30 minutes of flight time threshold. This is pretty incredible. It went on its 17th flight. It was scheduled for the 18th on Wednesday, I believe, but that got that got postponed. I don't think it happened for a couple minutes, but it's still ready to go. That was only supposed to do like three flights, and the thing is like on, you know, going on 18 already. It's amazing. And we'll talk about what else we got going on, some books I've been reading and so on. For more PA Progressive Talk, tune into the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern, his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to his podcast wherever you get your podcast. And head on over to therigsmithshow.com for all the latest across all his platforms, including, you know, what national radio station um, is he on now? He's on w, uh, WBAI in New York, KPFK in Los Angeles, just got picked up in Chicago and Minneapolis. Uh, congratulations, Rick, and the whole crew. And if you haven't already, you got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast. You can find it on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter and at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And look, 
TikTok, it's holiday season. You got those last minute gifts. Well, you got a place to go for all your gamer friends out there. The Game In with two N's. The Game In is a Quaker town based black family owned gaming store. They're friends of the show and they've got everything from Retro N64s to the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, loads of collectibles, action figures, and Funko Pops. And kids get a discount for every A on their report card. You can check them out on their Facebook page. You follow them on Twitter at, at The Game In. That's with two N's at The Game In. If you got a question about a game and you're looking for something hard to get, just, you know, shoot them a message. Uh, um, shoot them a message or drop them an email at The Game In at gmail.com if you go over to their place you can't miss their store it's kind of off right off 309 in Quakertown and you'll see a pickup truck that's poked uh, that's parked right in there with a giant uh, uh, um, with giant kind of black nationalist flag and bumper stickers on it that say no war no KKK no fascist USA on it so uh, then you'll know you're home so you can head on over there to get all your Christmas gifts and uh, an out to coop live, man. I'll tell you, if you if you missed it, don't miss it. Get back there and check it out. This past Monday, I talked to uh, Diana Lagerman. She is a former uh, Central Bucks School District School Board candidate. Um, she's a teacher. She's a writer, um, and she's also been the target of direct target of smears by the one, the only Paul Martino. And we talked a little bit about that on um, this past Monday. If you recall, there was a two-part podcast uh, by the New York Times, um, The Daily, that focused on Central Bucks. And uh, she wrote this amazing piece in response to that on Medium called Central Bucks is Not Okay. And talked about some of the glaring gaps in that New York Times story, in particular the way that Paul Martino was involved much earlier than is suggested on that podcast. And he um, had a devastating effect in terms of in, in targeting her in particular by setting up these front organizations to go after candidates. So um, pretty nasty. On this coming Monday, on December 17th uh, at 7 p.m., or actually it's probably going to be released a little bit earlier in the day, I we did a pre-record yesterday, and we had a, a special access for patrons yesterday so that patrons could join, join the live recording, um, but we're going to release it on Monday during our, re our, our regular scheduled uh, Monday Out to Poop Live. Anyways, I'm talking to Christopher Rodkey. He's a UCC pastor at St. Paul's UCC in um, Dallastown, PA. He's a public theologian who engages in three publics, the church, the academy, and society, and he also just announced his candidacy for state representative in the Pennsylvania's 93rd district, the seat currently being held by Republican Mike Jones. And we're talking about religion and politics and the struggle for justice. It was a great conversation. Um, do check that out on Monday. That is Monday, December 17th with Christopher Rodkey. Um, it's uh, pretty, pretty awesome. And look, everybody, if we need and want, we need and want, we need both those things, a progressive future. Well, we need and want progressive media. Support Pull No Punch's homegrown progressive media today. Become a patron of Raging Chicken for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. We are here for the fight and we need you. Become a patron for the price of a good beer once a month. Help keep the media in the movement, the movement in the media. Become a patron for as little as five bucks a month by going to patreon.com slash rcpress today. Hey, Sean, man. So uh, how is it going? It's going, uh, you know, it's the last week of the year and it's feeling pretty good. It is. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hitting my end of the year malaise. I think, uh, I was last week, I was in a great mood. Uh, this week I'm just kind of, I'm just, I'm just a little worn out. I gotta say, I gotta say not in a bad mood. I'm not in a bad mood. I'm just not in, you know, my uncharacteristic chipper mood. So your finals are over with, I assume. Yeah, well, you know, I don't give finals because I have, you know, we do have the final projects or papers. So um, I am, I'm in the middle of, uh, it's finals week now. We just, so finals week just ended. And so basically that's grading week for me. So, you know, I've just been grading um, 
all throughout the week. And then he had some meetings, you know, end of the year meetings and stuff like that, uh, responding to kind of ridiculous emails from people, not from students, from you know, administrators and things like this, but yeah, it's kind of par for the Fun. course. Yeah. So I just, I, I don't know about you, but man, I just, uh, I can't decide yet. This is what I was trying to say at the top of the show is I can't decide yet if this felt like it's like the end of the year snuck up on me or if it, I'm welcoming it. I'm, I'm kind of stuck in between those two places. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it feels, I mean, it feels weird this year uh, with COVID going on still. I mean, like we're going back into another surge. Yeah. When people predicted that like this would that <laughs> the last surge would be the last surge you know what i'm so glad you just said that uh if you notice i did not put anything that covid in the uh in there and but i've been reading a ton about it and i didn't not i didn't like purposely not put it in there but i think that's why i feel the malaise now that as soon as you said that i was like ah that's it <laughs> i i really I feel a bit of uh, yeah. I read this piece in the Atlantic that was uh, I think it was came out yesterday, the day before, and it was um, it would by this guy basically say, look, let, let's just be frank about it. Um, outside of a kind of a narrow group of kind of like say professional middle class folks, is like most Americans really just don't care. Yeah, no, and I feel like we're okay, we're getting to the point where it's two years, right? Um, like, how many more times are we going to have media cycles dominated by these new variants that pop up? When you know, like, what we're watching is pretty much like bio, pretty much like basic biology and cell theory. You know, like an evolution. You know, take place where like we're you're, not going to get all Methusian on me here. No, but, no. <laughs> but like we're this is gonna be a virus yeah. that's gonna be living with us for a while now we're not gonna squash this and you know like i also feel like at some point where it's just like at what point does the population just say enough is enough of this like you know what i mean i feel like we're getting there with that but it's also like you know we have these outbreaks happening because of uh, because of like people who are getting unvaccinated and it's also like and, and no like they're fucking up our healthcare systems again they're well, clogging the healthcare systems exactly but like do we have to do we keep on going through this for another year or two of like this boom bust type cycle like of going through a trough and not because of like like you know what i mean I think the answer is yes. I mean, the thing is, the thing. But like, I also, I don't. I, okay, say this last two more years. Do we have to go? Do you think we? Do you think? I mean, like, yeah. I don't know. I I don't know if the psyche of the people who are going to just like it. No, they just, won't. But but if you want to, but look, like you said, like you started off. This is this is biology, right? And so you want to talk about the boom bust thing, right? That's not, you know, we're not in control of that, right? No, or, we're not, and. I mean, if, look, if people had, if people had, if people had just followed basic stuff, right, and had got the vaccine, had not gone on this, this crazy anti-masking nonsense and all that bullshit, we would be in a much better place than, than but I also feel like our side, the Democratic side, yeah. will use this as an excuse to stay in if this is prolonged over the next like couple of years, like this malaise. No, but look, look, I think and, that we'll just like, I feel like, I feel like. I feel like at some point we are going to hit a detriment with organizing. 
No, I, I hear you, but my point is this. My point is this. Like, there's two different things there, right? What you just I don't said. Know, I also feel like I also feel like if, I, I don't know. I also feel like we're getting to the point where we're going through this this like surge again, and then Biden just like fuck you. You people are paying student loans next month. We're increasing other, Medicaid rates. Yeah, we're uh, we talk like about we're that. we're not we're not like you know we're not extending any more benefits while this is raging like. I mean, there's just stuff that, like, this stuff's not going to go away, but we can't just, like, not spend money and not treat it, too. No, no, no. I, I'm with you. Like, okay, let's, let's, let, let's. There's just so many different issues. <laughs> let's do, let's do, let's do a couple things here, right? So, one is, like, because it just kind of connects directly to what, like, the first few things that I kind of like, got, kind of got down in, in today's show notes, right? Is because, you know, there's layered issues that are going on here. Like, here's what I would, like, say. Like when you just say it's going to impact organizing, I agree with you 100%. I don't think anybody can kind of stay in and things like this. The fact is, is that we're we're at a point now where if you're vaccinated and you're boosted and you're willing to take basic precautions, you know, organizing has to happen, right? I mean, it's not you you don't kind of stay back and stay indoors and all kind of all this kind of stuff. So that that is that's doable, right? I mean, and then we're gonna have to get more comfortable in doing that. I, I'm with you 100%. However there's there's also this this biological cycle right that is kind of with the virus which is existing in tandem to here so you're having real people dying right you're having real if you look at the, the articles about kind of the exhaustion that is that is happening in the kind of medical communities right well, among nurses among technicians among doctors and you, people are just like leaving and not coming back and that's going to have a, that's going to have a significant impact not just on the kind of treatment of covid but right across the board and also people are doing that with their other jobs, like, especially like in other critical 100%. jobs. And it's just like, you know, like we're not, we're not coming up with like a long-term plan. I mean, we even put this in there. Like we fucking shall build back better, you know, for voting rights. <laughs> yeah. No, I got, I got it in there. That was the second oh, thing I got in the okay. notes. That was it. That was the thing. I know you were, uh, you, okay, you, I'm you sorry. Were... I wasn't paying attention, but I know you were I checking mean, like... your Twitter at the time. So I was like, <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> but like i mean it's but it's also like yeah it's just it's just like all this stuff going on like democrats are just setting themselves up for fucking colossal mistakes in 2022 dude if like, like i really don't buy this stuff like like i really don't buy this talk like you know like oh it's uh, this what this is what happens because it's cyclical like democrat wins and then they lose in the midterms. Well, like, it's all you know, nonsense. Can, it's all we nonsense. can win in the midterms if we ran on a platform and a vision and like a unified goals. But like, you know, you have Mansion and Cinema who are already saying no, they're not going to change the filibuster for voting rights. No, so they're going to decide. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's I mean, like politics are not like not like a freaking ant colony or something like that, where like you know where there's like you know oh every two years there's some kind of chemical response that runs through and causes these things to happen. No, it's because people. I feel like we're just. I feel like it's going to hit. I mean, I think if you if you thought last year was bad, you know, and I mean, with the, I'm waiting for that counter shift with like another left wing movement popping up. Look, I, I think another occupy type. Like I feel like we're on that. We are getting so close to that. Absolutely. I feel like it's primed for that. Um, I mean, here, the like you know the debt strike collective people are already talking about not paying their student loans next yep. month. Like, man, you're gonna be pushing people to the fucking brink while this stuff is still going on, and we're not even addressing. So so let's 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 take this right with the the build back better bill. Like so this is this is where. 
I feel like we're all over the place right now, but it's we like, are all it's... over the place, right? But it's the end of the <laughs> freaking year, and we're frustrated, and like whatever. And no, I mean it's just like all this shit is all, the, but it's all related as well. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, so one thing you know, if if I had to sort some of this stuff out, I would say I would say I would say something like this. Like, I agree with you 100. percent It's all related. So, but I would say I would say this. I would say that what we here's here's the baseline problem. The baseline problem is that you have a Democratic Party leadership, right? That is inept and incapable. That is like a fucking yes fossilized. It's just like a living fossil from one hundred percent, one hundred million years ago. Right. But I would also say, I would also say that is not true of a lot of people of organized people in the Democratic base. Right. And I don't and and I'm using that word base like widely. Right. So that like in other words, that, yes, they might be people that are, you know, Democratic Party operatives or something like this. But I mean, people that are have been organizing for the past couple of years. Right. And, or, you know, past several years. Right. Whether it's around these last school board elections, whether it was in the 2018 midterms when you saw kind of DSA make this big surge. There's people that are doing major organizing in there. And there's an increasing gap. Like, I really think. And we, we kind of talked about this in, in um, during after Biden's election. I think I personally I said I was surprised as all hell about what Biden had put on the table um, right out of the gate of his presidency. I was like, whoa, did not expect this, did not expect this. You know, maybe I underestimated this stuff. And I think there was all this momentum moving forward. And so all those people who did not make the mistake of like what happened in the previous election, right? Um, with Hillary Clinton and and Trump, they did not make the mistake of just kind of saying, "I'm just going to check out of this." Nope, basically said, "We are not going. We're not doing another kind of uh, another four years of fascism. So we have to put it. We have to put a stake in this thing. So we're going to get behind Biden, and then we're going to push." And I think I think a lot of people were on in that mentality. The problem is, is that you know six months into the administration, even I would even say starting like four or five months in. Is that the you know the old mode of even consultants- like within the first couple of weeks of like the administration around like the student loan debate argument like oh well you know the Scalia memo from the department Department of Ed says we can't do this you know because the previous person who wrote it worked for under Betsy DeVos like no like you're just not using the power you have in these institutions. I, I agree, right? One hundred percent, right? I mean, I, I but 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 then there was a there was a real I have to say a pretty progressive agenda that was kind of put forward, and remarkably after the the kind of you know the COVID aid stuff came out, you know, uh, then there was there seemed to be a kind of push to keep going, but that's when the kind of like the gears of the old machine of Democratic Party leadership. And this, the mentality that they're in, and the consultant class in the, you know, in the in the Democratic Party, started exerting their, you know, their 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 say again, and then everything started to go slow, and they're kind of questioning things. They started talking about process instead of policy, and, and it all became about like we can do this, we can do that. And frankly, as much as I think, you know, I am so sick and tired of both Democrats and like like people like the mainstream media especially like the cable news like msnbc and all this kind of stuff focusing like whatever two-thirds of their broadcast or three-quarters of their broadcast on donald trump right because what that tells me is that the lesson that came out of that is that the, you know they i'm some money maker i'm gonna run on trump bad man 
and they believe in their head that that's what that's why it why it was won. So they're just going to keep on Trump bad man. And meanwhile, like the the vast majority of people that that put that over that put the election in Biden's quarter, right? Put them over there were young people, people concerned about climate change, people concerned about student debt, people concerned about like getting health care. I mean, those are the people that had been organizing for years um, during the Donald Trump administration, right? And it wasn't, it was never just about Donald Trump for, I think, I think the vast majority of people went out there. Yes, they hated Donald Trump. And yes, that kind of pushed certain people to, to get out there and vote. But a lot of the activists that were on the ground, that's not why they are, they were there. Yes, to get rid of Donald Trump, but, but all this other stuff. And what the, what, what the consultant class and Democratic Party leadership does, they, they believe they're, they drank their own freaking Kool-Aid, basically. And they think it was all just stuff. Yeah, they just think they're just, yeah, exactly. And all they're doing is they're going back and they think that's going to be enough. If they just keep on like the ghost of Donald Trump, like keep that going long enough, that somehow is going to magically cause everything to happen. I mean, and you saw it with Yunkin. Uh, you know, I think I fuck. I didn't even put this in the notes. I know. Look at look at us. Look at us today. <laughs> we had a plan. Screw the plan <laughs> is what we're talking about today. <laughs> um, you know, like we've seen that with Yunkin, like uh, the Democratic Party in Virginia putting out uh, mailers saying, uh, you know, Trump endorses Yunkin to like fucking <laughs> to like, uh, I don't even know if you're hitting like super voters or you're just hitting regular voters. Like, you're hitting regular voters with that. You're actually driving out turnout for, um, for Yunkin. Right. Unless you're not saying it's like, democratic super voters like and like yeah so there's the mailing issues with that and then um yeah i think you have the democratic party they have this this account they started called trump's pa apprentice as a joke to see like who's gonna get the um the the, the nomination or the, the endorsement from trump for governor and i don't know if they paid for this i'm assuming they paid for this but they posted a cameo video of Donald J. Trump, Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> Endor of an endorsement video of Jake Corman, basically like praising him for the fraud it's and you know telling him he's doing a great job and we love you and it's just like. So I'm going to campaign for my opposition, basically. <laughs> yeah, you just did an in kind contribution for Jake Corman. But it's like th they believe in their head that oh. Trump bad man endorses this. Uh, therefore, people are going to steer away. That's not the, how this works. It's not how it works. These people, like Trump drives out right wing crazy votes. And that is where the Republican Party's base is right now. So you can think about all the rationality and all the kind of like, you know, whatever, you know, political models that you've got. Just look at the freaking practices. I mean, this is not going to help. And especially when you're seeing that everything that was look from I think from an average person perspective, whatever the hell that is. I mean, I think from a lot of people's perspective, what they see right now is the the Biden presidency slowing down to a halt. And starting to kind of While like Biden come apart is saying he wants to run for 2024. It makes no sense. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like, like, if that's the case, where is your, like, the fact that you mentioned the student loan stuff, you're absolutely right. I mean, th this is an absolute no brainer to go out there. I mean, it just shows you like, you hate your, you hate the people who voted for you. I don't even think he hates, like, when it comes to Biden, I don't think he hates it. I think he's just completely out of touch 
with where the vast majority of people are. And he's, it's been, you know, it's this, it's, it's, I don't know what, what you call that. Right. But it's just this mentality that is just takes over these people's brains. Right. And, you know, it'd be one thing we talk about the Republicans, but when we were talking about the Democrats, right. That That's great. I mean, look, in my Pelosi mind, with the, huh? Pelosi with the insider trade. That's what I was about to say. It's like, so you got, then you got no, like Pelosi being asked a question about it here. Cause there's a bill that, you know, wanted people wanted to come up and basically saying we want to prevent, um, you know, sitting Congress people or like, um, congressmen and women or, uh, representatives and senators from, uh, trading stocks while they're in office because of the conflict of interest. And that seems like a no brain. It has like support from different, you know, groups on either side of the aisle and all this kind of stuff would be their bipartisan kind of like initiative. So they ask her about it, like, oh, you know, should they be prevented Why from the doing fuck it? Would we do that. She's like, no, <laughs> we shouldn't prevent that. I said, I'm yeah, opposed to that like, because it's a free country. We're a capitalist country and people should be able to participate in the market. That's what she says. I don't know about you, but I am swimming in stocks right now. Like, <laughs> dude, it's like, it's like, it's what who who is that for yeah it's for her like husband the, right and the her five percent of americans who actually own stocks right but it's it's like even if you look at if you look like, at what that does her husband just basically there was just a story about it the other day her husband they're looking back over the past trading i think david dane was talking about this or somebody like that basically saying like look there was some kind of deal that was coming up that you know was going to happen and you know oh before the deal by her husband just kind of i can't even bought or sold i don't know a whole bunch of stock and made five million dollars off of it right as a direct result of what actually happened in congress that's a conflict of interest and that should be like a no-brainer for everybody but no, you got Nancy Pelosi out there kind of defending people's ability to trade in stocks. But when it comes to actually like childcare, when it comes to actually taking Joe Manchin to task, I'm sorry to say, well, that's over in the Senate. Get your ass out over the Senate then. I Make mean, some it, noise. Yeah. I mean, it definitely feels like it's, it's, I feel like it's getting to that point in 2011 with, I don't know. I, th- I feel like it's going to, I mean, I feel like we're, I feel like we're primed for another summer spring and summer people coming out like you know what i mean we shall see i mean it's i i i hope so and uh, it feels like that but i don't know i don't know yeah it seems like you know again you have you have i mean there's a lot of i go back and forth on this too as well it's like a lot of people are are really exhausted right now and they're exhausted because you know i mean especially you know, quote unquote, frontline workers, right? Kind of what we're in central employees and things like this, who have been kind of, you know, given the shaft eventually, as we've seen that this is what Sean was referring to before, is you have records numbers of people that are leaving their jobs, um, at least the numbers that came out in September and the, the month before. And it's not slowing down either. No, it's actually increasing, right? I mean- <laughs> Yeah, they, they thought it was gonna slow down at some point. No, and, uh, and, and, what David Dayan said is really, he's got a really great piece of the American prospect on this. I, I, I would definitely recommend people read it. It's, um, and he talks about this kind of psychology and I, okay, this is going to sound like a little bit of a tangent, but I'm, I, it's not a tangent. Um, he, he basically, he was talking about, he actually, he's like, I didn't expect to end up here, but he started talking about like the different times that there were say plagues and, uh, pandemics or epidemics that took place and what happened afterwards. And what he was saying is that what was really fascinating of what happened, like the difference between societal shifts, 
Right, but he's also you're right, but he's also saying is that there's a dis, like a difference. You look at other crises, like say for example a world war or you know or, or a major economic crisis or something like this. Um, they're different than these pandemics because what happens like in the world war is like you know everyone is kind of like you have all these folks that are kind of impacted and there's this kind of crisis external and then it's going to over or whatever, and there's real destruction that's happening around, right? In a pandemic, right? it's always the case that the people who are who are poor and most vulnerable are going to take the largest impact right and have historically but when you get when you're you're on the other side of it right you start to come out of it right the buildings are all still standing everything is not kind of full of destruction there's just a lot of dead bodies of people that you knew and a lot of times what has happened and this is what he says in this piece like historically coming out of like a pandemic is that a lot of those folks who were either forced to work or give you know, chowded as, as as heroes to go out there and work to support everybody else, like these Kellogg workers who have been on strike for ten weeks. They fed us, right? Often working. There's one person to work like what it was 120 days straight, working 12 hour shifts in order to make sure that everyone else had food during the pandemic, right? And then on the other end of it, they're finding out the companies that they work for or the governments in past that they work for, right? Um, making hand over fist money. And they're given the shaft and they're asked to tighten their belts afterwards. And he said, historically, what has happened and after that, very oftentimes you have major shifts in kind of the labor relations after after these pandemics, um, because people uh, kind of reevaluate kind of their lives and find out that that even though they were asked to do these heroic acts that are then are given the shaft afterwards and check out. So, I mean, again, I don't believe in like necessary patterns, right? So there's no guarantee that that's way move forward. But what Sean, what you were saying before about, you know, we're kind of primed for this kind of next movement. I mean, there are, you know, there's a lot of factors, I think, pointing in that direction. What that's going to look like, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's also what's troubling is I feel like what, um, you know, the right wing, what they're doing is capitalizing on attacking corporations now, which is something they, they've never done as a culture or like in their culture war or like support of like, you know, these people. And they're doing it in a way <clears throat> that's very fascist. Like it, like, you know, like you can just, it's not, you know, you're, you're going after corporations because they are not supporting, they're not falling in line with your ideologies. Right. With their social responsibilities and stuff like that. So it's, it's more of like a fascist attack against these these corporations and it just like you know i it's those are the people that should be attacked but for other reasons and this is where right-wing populism is going to be dangerous yes i feel like in the next coming years absolutely because it's just like everyone wants to tax the corporations and the billionaires you know and like i wouldn't be surprised if you see the base voters of the republican party eventually turn on people like i mean it's already there like bezos or musk and stuff like that because the obscene amounts amounts of wealth that they have right like it, it's not you're we're not really like yeah not really going down a pretty path with like allowing these people to continue uh to amass these amounts of wealth yeah. And I think that, you know what, I mean, I, I do think that, um, again, I hate, I hate to, 
I don't want to suggest that this is a necessary conclusion um, or that we'll absolutely have because I've been, you know, proven, you know, I've seen this happen, not happen enough time, like enough times in the past. But it seems to me is like, you know, we've talked whether you're talking about. Um, uh, well, I mean, a whole bunch of people are talking about how people are losing faith in institutions. Right. I'm thinking about Chris Hayes's book, like Twilight of the Elites. Um, you know, I'm thinking about a whole bunch of people have been pointing to this, you know, Pew Charitable Trust, basically, you know, they put out all these reports and demographic data. They've been tracking this, too, as well, to show these people's kind of connections with institutions are kind of getting more and more distant. And I think that, you know, inadvertently, I think the Biden administration, the current Democratic Party leadership um, may have um, kind of pushed that one over the edge because they basically people started feeling like, you know, to use a to use a cliche, another world world was possible. Right. And they basically got people to the point where they're seeing it, could almost taste it and could feel this was like like the child tax credit, for example, and say, oh, my God, we're actually we can actually do stuff and then tore the rug out from underneath. And so what happens with that? There's a chance that people just go go back to their homes and kind of say, screw it, I'm not getting involved with anything. Um, but there's a lot of people that I think are just going to get angrier and angrier and some of those folks are going to be channeled into these kind of fascist and right-wing movements and other folks hopefully are going to be channeled into organizing and i have to say you know this is the other thing that was good about my my conversation with uh diana lagerman on monday um she had had no bones about calling out the uh the democratic party um for their role in kind of um discouraging candidates who are running for school board to talk about critical race theory, to talk about the anti-masculine and engage it directly. They told them not to talk about it. And by the time that it was a huge thing, it was too late. And so, and she yeah. was like saying a lot of us that were running were, were new to this. Right. And then once these people got involved, right, she didn't name names, but she said once kind of these democratic party operatives got it kind of got involved and they started telling us what to do. Um, we're, she's like, I pushed back against that and said, no, we need to be talking about it. But they said, no, no, no. And then by the time we needed to talk about it, it was too late. And like the, <clears throat> yeah, no. And I mean, like, you know, and that's, these are the same people that are running the failed congressional campaigns in Buck, places like Bucks County. Yep. I mean, like you have people, I mean, I like the person personally, but you know, the person who can all, who was running the Bucks United is a perfect example of this. You know, he's talented. He worked on like three congressional campaigns. He was spokesperson for the house of for, for Virginia house of speakers office last year. And then he gets parachuted into Bucks County to the Bucks United and to which, what happens. They lose three was all three row offices because like you're, you like you're you're using this model right. where you fly these people in from not from the area who have no connections to the area but like there's you just fly them in and fly them out yep like canal's not going to stay in bucks county after this like you know what i mean like no. he's not he didn't stay in uh like you know he went right from working for eugene to working in the virginia house speaker's office because he's in that d trip c yep uh rolodex of you know and that's it's not pointing him out particularly, but it's the no, whole no, no. entire but, system. But the, you, no, you, I think you said it correctly, though. I mean, you're, you're talking about it's that's the model, right? And it's like, so he could be the best. He could be the best individual in the world. He could be super talented at a bunch of stuff, right? 
it's the model that's the problem. So you can get talented people to to drop in and fly them in for this. But if you don't have, you haven't built networks or organizations from the ground up, it doesn't matter. The only, you, you have two sets of constituencies, right? I mean, we've said this again and again and again, right? You either, your constituency is either money or people, right? And the DCCC's model has been money, right? I can't tell you how many times we hear that, you know, the problem is about getting people to run in, in Bucks County is that you need X number of million dollars in order to be competitive in the district, right? And where's that coming from? That is DCCC logic, Right. So they all they start from money and work their way down. And they think that you, you get that you get the kind of the candidate or the individuals that can get you that money. And then everything else will sort itself I mean, out. And you also saw the it's messaging coming out of the And you saw the messaging coming out of that. Like Bucks United farce, like they said, oh, we support the police, too. <laughs> like after trying to like. It's like, right. OK, you just send a whole bunch of your voters home. You know, <laughs> good, good luck. Yeah, but like we support the police too, like as a way to like defund right. the police. Like, and it's just like, that's like what the Republicans have been running on for like decades. Like you're not going to really pull that one on under the rug from it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you're basically saying like, like, look, we're no different than they are. So then for a voter that's like, then why the hell am I going to vote for you? If you are the, you're saying that you're just like them, why don't I vote for the original instead of the copy? <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, that's your messaging. It's it's horrible messaging. And it worked for Bill Clinton at a very specific point in history because it was new. And it put the other side on their heels. That is not a model that can be used over and over, even though it has been, and even though it has led the Democratic Party further and further into the right, tied it closer to Wall Street interests and tied it closer to money. And walked away from people, walked away from unions, walked away from abortion rights. And this is where we are. So whatever, man, you know, have at it. It's like, you know, I just think we're, we are going to be in, in, in for a period of time that is going to be the Democratic Party is just going to be in disarray. And it's going to be up to kind of organizers to begin to kind of, kind of come together to steer that party. Because the leadership is worthless at this point. So at least, again, that's from where I see. I see awesome candidates. I see awesome organizers. I see, and when I say leadership, I'm not talking about people that are working in kind of local groups and lead. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the big money Democratic people. I'm talking about the state leadership. I'm talking about like the national leadership, the DCCC nonsense. Not the people who are organizing in communities and do it. Those are the folks that, you know, we got to be paying attention to. That's where money should be going. It's where resources should be going. And then the Democratic Party should be taking their lead from those groups, not the other way around. Yeah. So, so. anyways, that was our uh, kind of, that was our first segment that we did not cover anything that we decided to cover. <laughs> Basically, there we are. It's the end of the year. <laughs> uh, but before we go to break, I do want to say two things, quick things. Um, it really, I, I, it took me back this morning when I was dropping my daughter off for school um, to see all this police presence, right? You know, and, it, and it's not uncommon that once in a while you see a police car um, that's parked outside the school. They kind of make their rounds and park out different schools just to kind of, you know, let people know that they're paying there. Particularly around drop off and pick up because the traffic and stuff and there have been some problems with some parents that are just are impatient. So they have to drive around in the bus lane, things like this. Right. But I go in there and there was, there was like at least two cop cars 
right, um, that were parked out there. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. Um, but then, of course, I get back home and I kind of check the news feeds. And it turns out that there was this um, TikTok trend that was going on, basically encouraging people, um, from what I understand. I haven't seen it myself yet, um, which is one of the things I want to do after this show. Um, but basically to threaten school shootings and bombings. And apparently in some, in at least, uh, what, four states, I believe, if let me see, check it out, in, uh, let's see, schools in Arizona, Connecticut, Illinois, Montana, New York, and Pennsylvania all increased their uh, police presence. Uh, this is from USA Today. Police presence on Friday, that's today, uh, because of these threats. And schools in California, Minnesota, Missouri, and Texas closed for the day um, because of their concern about this. Now, it should be said, um, it, all indications are these are non-credible threats. They're just kind of stupid ass pranks to try to get the schools to close ahead of a kind of, um, kind of, uh, you know, winter break and things like this. But, um, um, everyone's taking it seriously, especially after the kind of, you know, the most recent school shooting. So I was glad to see, you know, uh, that people are taking it seriously, but it's like, Jesus Christ, you know, this is kind of where we're at. So, uh, if people are noticing that, don't know what's going on. I just wanted to kind of put that out there too. And the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is that, you know, I mentioned this about, about Bell Hooks. Um, Bell Hooks was uh, probably one of the most most important kind of political writers and thinkers and activists that, you know, of, of, of say, my, my college years. Um, I started reading her stuff um, kind of early in college. Um, her book, I, uh, Ain't I a Woman? Black Women and Feminism. Um, I read that book, uh, I read a whole bunch of her, like teaching to transgress. I read when I was in, in grad school and I was thinking about like teaching and things like this. I mean, her work is absolutely amazing. Um, it was kind of one of the major interventions into, um, you know, a, a kind of a white dominated feminism and kind of opening up that discourse. Um, and not only was she such an amazing and critical writer, um, and thinker, she was just an, just a great writer. And she would write beautifully and she would write about love and teaching and a whole bunch of stuff that was just, it was incredible. And it was able, she always modeled for me at least, and I know so many other people, uh, a way of say of critical engagement um, and being fierce in the face of, um, you know, kind of really difficult odds at times and challenges, um, but to also be kind um and to also to do that with love right and it's something you know again I, I certainly need to be reminded that at times right to to find these places to be kind um and gentle in that process because you ultimately you need solidarity right um but you go after those folks you you call things out right you don't shy away from this um but you don't you also don't make that person your enemy you'd also make those things you, you, you do your best to at least um but her criticism or kind of deep critiques of the kind of the, the whiteness that was embedded in social movements um, and in the ways we think about teaching was just incredible. And so she died at the age of 69 this week, and it was, uh, it was quite a loss. So um, I think it came for a lot of us it just came as a kind of a shock. So uh, rest in power, Bell Hooks. Um, um, I can't tell you how indebted I am to um, everything that, that, that you've done. But anyways, this is uh, you got anything else for the for the top half, Sean? Uh, no, nothing really. All right, great. Well, this is uh, Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. I want to remind you that you can help support this show by heading on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. You become a patron for as little as five bucks a month. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back right after this quick break. I said that before.
Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1944. That was the day that President Franklin Delano Roosevelt rescinded Executive Order 9066. It had forcibly relocated over 120,000 Japanese Americans into internment camps. After the bombing of Pearl Harbor, the government considered Japanese Americans a national security threat. By 1942, many were given less than a week's notice to sell and store all property. Whole families were rounded up and taken away to desolate areas in the west and southwest of the United States. Up to this point, many Japanese Americans in California were employed in the agricultural industry, some as tenant farmers. They were responsible for 40% of all produce grown in that state, whose crops were valued at $40 million annually. Over 6,000 farms, consisting of 200,000 acres, were confiscated. Once in turn, they were subjected to dire living conditions with little in the way of running water, sanitary facilities, or medical care. They were subject to forced labor in the construction of camp buildings and cultivation of near barren lands. The government hoped to make the camps self-sufficient. In post in Arizona, they were made to build the infrastructure for Colorado River Tribes Reservation in order to consolidate other tribes onto the land. When Japanese Americans were finally released, most found their stored belongings stolen and their homes, jobs, and farms confiscated and redistributed. After the war, they continued to face violence, job and housing shortages, and racial discrimination. Ronald Reagan would sign the Civil Liberties Act in 1988. It acknowledged that internment was based on, quote, race prejudice, war hysteria, and a failure of political leadership. The act served as a formal apology and sought to destroy distribute billions in reparations. Hey everybody, everybody, this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken, here back once again with Sean Kitchen. Uh, we're in our PA focus. Um, so Sean, uh, word on the street has it that democracy in PA is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it has a great ring to it, doesn't it? I like it. It's like a bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. Um, yeah, I mean, like, um, a whole bunch of stuff has been going on this week. Some good news, a bunch of bad news. Uh, some of the good news, new maps. Uh, but like, the bad news is, I mean, I really think we're just seeing like the continuation of the uh, January sixth. Um, the House Democrats had a really good um, democracy and voting rights press conference on Monday that were led by the progressive members of the House, Emily Kincaid, Chris Rabb, Manny Guzman spoke there. Um, I saw him as his uh, his speech on the floor. Um, was yeah, pretty awesome. He got cut off twice. Yep, I saw that. Yep. Yeah, I didn't see that, but I heard about it. Um, you know, you have um, you have it's you. <laughs> Carol Hill Evans from York County, you have a bunch of, um, I would say you have this backlash, you know, um, of things that are happening right now because of the 2020 election. Emily Kincaid, uh, if you haven't watched her video, she just spoke for like seven minutes and was just bringing fire the whole entire time. Yeah, she's I mean, awesome. pretty much just airing grievances of this whole entire past year, basically that like, you know, it's uh, against rules for members of the House to mention January 6th on the House floor, and you know they don't even want to talk about it. Um, it's uh, you have, you know, a 
rash of constitutional amendments coming out aimed at the courts, uh, especially courts that are um, that are in charge of overseeing voting rights and that are going to be making decisions on the voting rights and making decisions on these maps. You know, you could say these are almost being used as leverage over these courts to politicize them and to, uh, you know, carrot and stick approach to maybe try to affect outcomes in their in their favor um you know i guarantee you with these maps watch them move some of these amendments they did they vote on a couple of them this past week you know a bunch of these i don't know which ones in particular but like a lot of these amendments are bad um you know like the amendment process here in pennsylvania is you have to pass something in two consecutive sessions and it goes on the ballot um and you can go on the ballot in the primary, you can go on the ballot in a general election, and the Republicans used a low voter turnout primary with like 8 or 9% turnout uh, to pass their bills yesterday, pass the constitutional amendments limiting the emergency orders uh, by the governor. The Republicans, um, you know, they said this a couple weeks ago, I was at a press conference, on this, um, they're pretty much starting to use the constitutional amendments to push their ideological, um, push their ideological agenda down the throats of Pennsylvanians and enshrine it into the Constitution. Um, they're doing this with um, stuff like you know changing the Secretary of State from an appointed position to an elected position. Um, the immediate dissolution and the gerrymandering of the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court, um, changing the court to only the Supreme Court terms from 10 years to two years. So judges would have to run every two years, getting rid of retention, um, you know, getting rid of uh, changes, ways, politicizing these institutions in ways that would favor the party in power, the Republicans right now into getting more power and overseeing elections, allowing more fraud. Um, they're going after um, executive orders, federal executive orders. So like any executive order issued by president, the president of the United States, President Biden, or the governor would only last 21 days in Pennsylvania. Like they're throwing all this stuff, they're introducing these amendments and expect them to be pushing this stuff, especially the ones going after the elections. Like they can have this on the ballot 2023 in the primary election and drastically change the rules of the way we vote in Pennsylvania and the way really like democracy is held in Pennsylvania by exploiting a 9% turnout election in the 2023 primary. I mean, this is just like doom and gloom stuff right now, but like, this is where we're going. Like yeah. if we're thinking long-term. Yeah, and we need to be, right? <laughs> I mean, we need to be thinking long term because they're certainly yeah. I mean, that's what th that's what all those proposals are designed for. Right. They are long term, yeah. like generational. Like, right. Exactly. And, you know, this is what the Democrats, they don't fight on their convictions, uh, you know, statewide or nationally. But like, you know, like Republicans. Yeah, they're all for abrupt change. Yep. You think this is incrementalism? No. <laughs> yeah. The immediate dissolution and. Yep. Gerrymandering of a court because the Democrats won that court in 2015. That's why they're doing it. They're doing this because the Democrats won three open Supreme Court seats in 2015. Yeah. You know, I think about it like this. You know, I think like, uh, you know, like Democrats, 
there's probably going to analogy is probably going to break down as soon as I make it. Like Democrats are like what the way that they approach this, they, they think everything is kind of evolutionary. Right. These kind of slow micro changes. And this happens here. And the Republicans are like Lamarckian. Right. Like or, they believe like Lamarck is just kind of like, no, you go around like this. Whatever, here, then you make these huge changes and then radically change it. And then you hit this one again. And that's what they do. They get to a certain point and they realize that they're in jeopardy. So they fundamentally upset the apple cart, reinstall themselves into power, put the crown on their head and then say, OK, let's go back to normal. Lamarck was the French or no. Yeah, the front, Lamarck was the one who was basically said would, would make. Was he the one that, that was like murdered in his bathtub, or no? I, that I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, was he, I, I felt like the, the a woman. There, there was a French revolutionary from like that time that like a woman, um, that right before like the reign of terror, it was actually like started the reign of terror. She assassinated one of the Jacobins because of like how radical they were getting. And then that just made them like just triple down even more and then just start executing anyone who didn't agree with their um, their 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 thoughts. And that's what brought on like the reign of terror. It, it may have been. I don't know. Lamarck was the Mark was a scientist who basically his theory of evolution was. OK. What, yeah, he was he was a scientist. He, he's like, but he might have. I, I, I really honestly don't know. This uh, was like a French philosopher. I didn't know that's what. Well, he's a philosopher, scientist, but basically, okay. it basically thought evolution happened in spurts, right? So that you would have these periods of kind of slow changes, but then there would be this an abrupt, um, an abrupt change, right? So that you know the evolution would happen in these kind of like in fits and spurts, not this kind of or gradual like Francis process. Fox Piven. Yeah, I mean, except you know, yeah. he, he was more interested. He was this was like you know before they had the actual yeah. genetic science behind actually how how things change over time. So I mean, th there were these famous you know th these famous pictures that were that I remember were kind of reading about ages ago about you know with giraffes, right? You know, and it wasn't like giraffes slowly kind of got longer and longer necks, but they started slower. But then as food became possible, there was a kind of a leap. Right. And then, you know, so there's dramatic change. And then it kind of where Darwin saw things as a much more even progression. So, yeah. But I mean, like with this stuff, we're seeing. Um, yeah. I mean, like we have to get really serious about the constitutional amendments that are happening here in Pennsylvania. Um, because they're only doing this for one reason, and that's because of the maps and that they lost the Supreme Court six years ago. crazy so i mean expecting with the reaction and the backlash from the uh from the house republicans i expect them to go full hog on these amendments well that sounds great <laughs> yes so oh good well there we go have it so what else is happening in pa <laughs> Um, we got Other than a full-scale, slow-moving, kind of complete takeover of the state. I mean, you know, whatever. Commonwealth, I know, like, all this stuff's going to be happening by the 2024 election, so they can easily, you know, like, uh, this is stuff that's happening. I mean, David Brooks was talking about this in his piece a few weeks ago, but, like, I mean, this is them, like, using state power, state authoritarian power to, like, diminish their opponents like using that wing of the governor, which is what Republicans have always been about that for decades. They've just never been this like <clears throat> naked about it. <clears throat> but um, maps came out yesterday, preliminary maps. We got some okay yeah, so, maps. Yeah. So give it, talk us through the, the assessment of it. Cause I, I, I'll be honest is when I was looking at, when I was looking at the maps, because all the maps are getting posted over and the people talking about the maps and I'm, 
when I look at those maps, I'm like, I'm not as I'm not enough of an insider to really get like, the, you know, because I saw a lot of people posting the maps and talking about what they meant without actually kind of getting into the, <laughs> to the details of it. So give us the picture of like what you what's your kind of assessment of the way the maps are. What do you think is going to happen going forward? Um, the Senate maps are more conservative. Uh, you can tell that just going out of this, um, Kim Ward's a Republican and Paul Costa or Jay Costa or one of the Costas. <laughs> I think Jay, <laughs> yes. Um, Jay, Senator Costa, uh, he, um, sorry, I had a brain fart there. Uh, <laughs> you know, they worked together and negotiated the Senate map, um, you know, and the, Republican House Republicans and House Democrats, uh, LRC, you know, pretty much like the pretty much the um, House Republicans uh, didn't work with the LRC over this and have spent most of their time trashing Nordenberg, the LRC director, and MFing him behind his back for a couple months because of the prison gerrymandering stuff that happened over the summer, and now they have twelve people facing off against each other, ten. 10 Republicans in combined districts versus two for the Democrats, which is like something that's never happened. Like that many that, that many people being put in the districts before. And then you also have some districts like, uh, you know, Lisa Mazurowski, Mazorski, whatever her name is out in um, Western Pennsylvania. She got thrown into Sarah Namorado's district. So uh, that Republican is most likely gone Mm -hmm. um the you know and i mean like the maps the house maps reflect what happened too i mean you had all this population loss from western pennsylvania and northeastern northwestern pa and nepa and all concentrated in south central or the southeast or lehigh, lehigh valley right right and most of the gains were you know in latino gains um with our population which is a good thing so, right which is a good thing yes yeah. um so the house maps uh for instance Harrisburg will be getting two extra house seats, um, you know, by just making that by making Patty Kim's district more compact. So Patty Kim's district is my midtown district, uh, which goes over into the West Shore where Colleen is also at. Mm -hmm. So you have that. Um, you have Colleen. Nguyen. Yes, Colleen. Nguyen. I think you have a combined district with Andy Lewis and Sue Helm. Uh, but that's they're combined into a district that's a safe dem district, and then you have another safe seat um, that's going to be created um, in that area as well. Um, a half seat's a toss up. Um, then in Lancaster, you have an extra seat. They've split the city of Lancaster in half for the first time, um, and you know from the previous maps, especially in Lancaster, the it like the maps went from the suburbs elongate all the way out to the county right, borders right. where like this map you know they're more boxed in and squared off and you're having more neutral districts so you mentioned so, we talked a little bit about that on the show ahead of time though like you just mentioned say like lancaster being kind of split and this also happening in allentown and you were saying that it's completely different oh it's, it's completely different. different i'm sorry yeah so lancaster's getting split um though half of lancaster is being turned into a latin opportunity district Mm -hmm. Sterilis district is the other side of Lancaster. So there's that. Um, Lancaster's getting, now like these places are getting split because of population growth. Mm -hmm. 
but it's also like not the same thing where it's not there it's completely different between the house and senate seat because the seats are smaller so lancaster's getting split i got you got you got you of course yeah Yeah. um and then in allentown uh the republican gerrymander uh really like the republicans have been able to hold on to that gerrymander in lehigh valley for 10 years and not lose a single incumbent um because of like those seats that are going to get rounded off you're going to pick up two more seats in the lehigh valley uh so they're going to pick up two more seats yeah wow i didn't realize that when we were talking about that ahead of time i I didn't realize that that was going to be the the end game there yeah so there's going to be two extra seats in lehigh valley this is just from like straightening out some of the lines uh especially around like allentown but two more seats for republicans no, Democrats. Oh, 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 I thought you meant two more seats for, for Republicans. I'm like, oh, my God, there's going to be an uprising. In the like, no, 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 no. <laughs> gotcha, no, Democrats gotcha, got two bad. more seats. Uh, and then the city of Allentown got split in two. So, yes, the part of Allentown got turned into a Latin opportunity district for the first time that's in the city that goes up to the border. But what ended up happening was Allentown got split in half literally where pat brown's house is at (laughs) like pat brown's house is the corner of the district border and they drew him into a district that's super safe so this district might get thrown out or might get revised because they tried doing this the last time around (laughs) 10 years ago and they got changed then because you can't just split a, a municipality in half for certain reasons especially when like population is not an excuse gotta love that way to go pat you got your little uh <laughs> cushness huh you can look yeah. out and you can wave to your the other district now <laughs> yeah i mean they literally like they literally, they literally cut him out of the district for himself wow and split allentown in half because of that um so i mean there's some good things there's some bad things uh santo seat my seat harrisburg senate seat will be getting an actual Harrisburg will be getting its one full Senate seat. Um, you could see like in Lancaster now in the Senate they gerrymandered mm-hmm. Lancaster pretty good. Um, but you know, like you also had uh a Senate Republican leader who was more involved in the map making process and didn't allow these things to happen, where you know, the House Republicans were just motherfucking <laughs> the guy behind his back the whole entire time. So yeah. Two different styles of approach. I'll say, gotta love that. Gotta love that. So it's got. So it sounds like it's kind <laughs> and of like- two different maps too. I mean, like the Republicans are extremely upset about the maps. Carrie mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, Benninghoff went on an epic rant yesterday. I mean, like we're all in there. It, this is like one of the most nice important- picture, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was just like gritting his teeth by the time he starts speaking like and you could just tell like he didn't write the speech you could tell jason gotsman the you know or i think goebbels or gotsman uh he wrote the speech for him and goebbels. He, but no like this is like how they are like this I is know, how right, it is right. like this is just like if you have just read that speech just an incoherent just mess uh <laughs> like it looked like Jason was, it looked like it was like Jason's Twitter account coming from Carrie Benninghoff's mouth. Like, like that's just how bad the speech was. Nice. Gotta love so, that. Yeah. Um, there's that. Uh, other fun things. I mean, 
the maps aren't terrible, but I mean, like they're also 50-50 maps. Uh, you can't really gerrymander a Democratic map uh, in Democrats' favor because of how uh, because of how the population is dispersed mm-hmm. geographically. It's just physically impossible to because you know. Democrats Unless you're gonna have more... these like long like octopus <laughs> tendrils, like right, right out there, which would be like <laughs> completely messed up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Right. Well, let me. Uh, uh, well, anything else more on the maps then? No. All right. So I, I got to. Uh, Kirsten kind of put this in the chat, and uh, just kind of curious to get your thoughts on this. She said, "Speaking of the courts, I hope you chat today about the oral arguments for earlier this week about the GOP trying to give our driver's license and social security numbers, basically to." Uh, uh, last four security numbers to a third party to support the big lie. Um, any kind of thoughts on that? I mean, I think uh, I think um, this it's going to come down to the Supreme Court. Uh, I think the woman there was asking some, uh, from what I heard, um, the judge was asking some pretty batshit crazy questions. So expect, and again, like the Commonwealth Court and Superior Courts are two Republican dominated courts. So uh, yeah. expect. Expect the L. Don't expect Commonwealth Court to shoot this down. Expect the loss. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I could see it going. It's going to go up to the Supreme Court. There you go. And it could take a while, too. I mean, this could take a couple years with the um, with, with what's happening because of all this stuff, um, with the maps that are coming up and the poten- potential challenges that are going to be made. So you mean go to the Supreme Court as in the Supreme Court or the PA Supreme no, Court? No, PA, PA. PA, okay, that's what I thought. Okay, just wanted to just make sure. Yeah, but it's not going to be like rushed right away. Right, okay. Okay, good. Well, <clears throat> out in Philadelphia, um, we find out the, uh, you know, the real consequences of using scab labor, right? Uh, and uh, kind of choosing kind of non-union contracts and things like this. Uh, and this was a guy who ran for city council a few years ago, Flybush. There you go. Yeah. Like the developer who owned this site by Bush. Um, yeah. You had a subcontractor of a subcontractor fall off a building and no one knew how. And it's just like, I mean, this is what happens when you have, you know, unskilled labor on these work sites. Well, what was really, we're really- not unskilled labor, but not having non-union labor. Right. And to rely upon these kind of like layers of subcontracting of non-union labor, like the guy, the guy who was killed, um had had just moved sounds to, like an immigrant he just moved to uh i think it was from either ukraine i think or uh or uh let me just see if i can pull that up real quick um let's see no it sounds like he's from a community he's belarus he's from belarus he's been he's been in, lived in philadelphia for two years right and um <clears throat> was uh and was killed and what's what's i think the worst part about that piece is reporting in the philadelphia inquirer about it was basically saying like look nobody can tell us how he died where he died and then um the reporter tried to research um looking at past osha complaints on this and could not could not access the data on kind of any of the you know the uh, injury reports and things like this from osha about this about this company and you know, part of it is like you're trying to track down these these chains of subcontractors just to figure out what the safety record is. Where, of course, if this was a union work site, that data would be relevant, like like immediately available. Yeah. So there you go. <clears throat> um, there you go. I know. I mean, it's actually pretty interesting. I actually had one of my friends uh, uh, comment on one of my photos. You know, with the pink pig. Yep. They asked if like, what's the reason for the giant rat? outside the courthouse that's going up 
and I explained that to them and I just like, you know, that's no, it's, it's unions. And it's just like, you know, when you use non-union labor for building sites, it creates unsafe work conditions. And, you know, one, you're driving down the cost of labor and two, you're putting people's lives at risk. You know, yep. people who are working inside those buildings, living inside the buildings and the people who are working on the buildings. Yep. Yep. And you know what, what's crazy about this? And you see, you look at this and this is, these are like, you know, these are like policy choices that have been made, right. To allow for that kind of like, you know, layered subcontracting to take place a way of kind of like driving down the cost of labor and allowing kind of these developers in order, you know, just to skim as much profit as possible um, off any project like this. Um, and, you know, and it's also the amount of power these people have in yes. city governments. Exactly. Flybush, uh, ran for city council a few years ago they were supported by the dark money group philadelphia 3.0 which is uh ran by one of the, the perlman heiress um in philadelphia the billionaire heiress uh she is one of the main funders for, for it um i know i mean like they push for liberalizing developing laws yep i mean some of the things i think this group pushes for is good like liberalizing some of the arcane like uh develop developing laws in the city but or not developing but like zoning laws and like street redevelopment and stuff like that but one of the things that they they advocate for is like loosening the rules that these developers like Ori Feibush who you know is friends with people from Philadelphia 3.0 and you know John Deating <laughs> there you go <laughs> no but like this is like this is how that side of the Democratic Party works Well, there you have it. Well, and then uh, we'll close out today's segment with uh, another kind of good news from Philadelphia is that uh, uh, three more um, proud boys, that's sarcastic if you uh, wondered, um, three more proud boys from Philly were arrested on Friday and charged in connection with the January 6th insurrection. Uh, the names are Isaiah Giddens, uh, Brian Helian, and Freedom Vi. Uh, they got nice little pictures of themselves given that white supremacist okay sign uh, kind of inside um, Jeff, Merkley's, uh, Jeff Merkley's offices. Um, now, if you recall, back in March, um, that uh, Zach Reel was, you know, kind of the, the point person, the head of the Proud Boys down there in uh, Philadelphia. He was also featured in some of these pictures taken with these three and some other Proud Boys that were pictured outside the Capitol, inside, whatever. Um, Zach Reel was charged in March, I believe, uh, for this. And now this is so a next round of the next kind of group of Proud Boys from Philadelphia um, that are going to be brought up on charges. And so uh, they will have their day in court to explain why white supremacists broke into the Capitol and uh, to make their case for why we should have Western chauvinism guiding us um, as a shining light. So what, it wasn't, it wasn't a tour. Wasn't yeah. a holiday tour. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Those pictures of Zach real sitting there smoking a cigarette with his feet up on Jeff Merkley's <laughs> desk. I don't think that was a tour. <laughs> I mean, sounds like a fun tour to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, self-guided tour, Sean, self-guided tour. <laughs> And you know what's the amazing thing about that? Uh, that Nick Fuentes is still not arrested. I yeah. Well, one you got you got to wonder. You got to wonder. Oh uh, yeah. At this point, like the people who are like not arrested, <laughs> like are they honeypots or are they like yep. just are they waiting to go bring down the big hammer? Right. Um. So it's gonna be one or the other. It's one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> Let's see. Kirsten says, I don't know for a fact that those guys, uh, other than Zach, who 100% was there, 
who showed up to harass indivisible organizers in Fitzpatrick's office for impeachment, um, but, but uh, wouldn't be surprised. Oh, well, there you have it. Um, yeah. One other thing that I did not put in the show notes today that I wanted to, that I wanted to say, um, people may have seen uh, my post on this, uh, both on Twitter and Facebook, but uh, right here in uh, the good old district of uh, Penridge. Um, Jesus this, saves. Jesus saves, man. This, this, is a, this is a good news, bad news story. Um, so or a bad news, good news story. And so there is a, a, there's a, there's a student organization, right, um, that is called, oh, God, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, um, which is a student, uh, a kind of officially approved student organization that meets before the school starts and things like this. And they have a faculty advisor who happens to be in the <coughs> physics department, my understanding, or in the science department. And um, so they were doing some sort of like some, I don't know, holiday decoration competition. This is what I'm hearing from people. But there were these pictures that were posted um, about this this group, FC, uh, FCA's um, um, display in the high school, right, outside this 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 teacher's office um, that had a picture. One that said, big cross that said, Jesus saves, right? And then there was a, um, let's see if I can, I'm not going to be able to read it because I can't. Oh, here we go. And below it, there was this statement that said, um, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Romans six twenty three. Right. So, I, uh... I, well, here, here, let me say. So, I posted these pictures that I, they, I again, I got them through someone else. Um, and on the side of one of the pictures, there's like um, you can see this. There's a paper off to the side of the door, and there's it says but dot 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 with an arrow towards it. And a uh, somebody wrote like said, well, what does it say on the other side of it, right? I'm like, I don't know. Let me see if I know, anybody has the pictures. And within like like a few seconds, um, somebody posted what was on the other side of it, and there was these this big display of like stars, right, and like balloons hung as planets, right. And so it looks like you know thing. It says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the world, right, from Genesis. And it says creation, right? So you get that. Oops. And then this next is... to that, it says it says um, something, something, believe in us, sin, go, Emmanuel. There's all these other biblical quotes that are outside it that are all kind of like, they're not quite threatening, but they're on the edge of threatening, <laughs> right? They're basically saying, if you are not going to do this, you are going to hell and going to die and are horrible. Yeah, I mean, like, this is like the type of stuff, like, I went to Catholic school for 13 years, and this is, like, the type of shit that we were never even taught in, like, yep. in Catholic school, <laughs> like, the vengeful fear of God, like, Pentecostal type, yep. like, vengeful God type. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Now, now, now let me just, I'm just going to put out. I would say my favorite Bible passage yeah. reading is uh, when, uh, you know, Samuel L. Jackson does My Brother's Keeper <laughs> in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> His explanation of it, but it's that, that's it. your favorite, like passage and famous, uh, a favorite performance of the passage. Is that your? Is that yeah, your... his favorite. favorite. I, I don't think Stephanie Borowitz can. No. You know, come up to that. Definitely not. Not Samuel L. Jackson. Um, but I, I want to say so. So let me just kind of lay lay out some of the issues here because I know that there's some people that kind of have some. Uh, you know, it's interesting the discussions around this, right? So, I mean, 
a lot of a lot of parents and community members in the city of this like were kind of enraged by this, right? At basically on the baseline of like separation of church and state, right? I mean, just separation of church and state, right? So you know, again, we all know that there's like you know there's some blurred lines around the holidays and things like this where people start talking in general and things like this, but this like a lot of folks will just completely cross the line. And let's let's remember this is coming in the wake of the uh, the Penridge School Board. Right. Basically canceling DEI initiatives that have been worked on for a couple of years. Right. That's a democracy kind of um, equity and inclusion curriculum. Right. And kind of support for the schools that they had updated and all these folks had worked on it. And then you got Joan Cullen and her cronies basically shooting it all down because because America is foo-foos were hurt. Right. Um, by that by that curriculum. And now they're kind of putting in this other stuff and it's a big sham. But anyways, so they cancel all that. Right. There was a huge uproar because there were some bulletin boards during Pride Month. Right. That said, celebrate, you know, said pride and celebrate diversity. And there was like people lost their shit over that. Right. Because, oh, my God, you're indoctrinating us. And yet here we have. Right. Blatant kind of display. Right. In the science wing, nonetheless. Right. And there's no way that a student could kind of like avoid this stuff if they're going to have to go into this classroom. Right. Now, there are people who argue, yes, but it's a, a student group that takes place before. school. I'm like, look, from my perspective, even if I were to grant you that that's okay, right? That, okay, if you want to have student groups that, you know, you know, the Muslim student group, a kind of Christian student group, or whatever it might be, and they're going to they're gonna meet before school, before plans, even if we're to allow that, right? And I, I could, in another time, we could talk about why I think that there's a case to be made for that. Um, but we'll put that aside for now. But even if you're to allow that, to have a display like this that is up all day long, Right. With a public facing thing into the hallway where you're saying that's the problem. Right. And so so a lot of parents were pretty pissed off about this. Um, There were people who contacted um, different organizations and all this stuff. Um, And just this morning before the before the show, um, I got notification. There was an email that came from uh, Dr. Bolton to uh, a a a parent, I believe, um, of someone at the school. And this is what um, Dr. Bolton wrote in response to the parent said, I just wanted to circle back and make you aware that I have discussed the legal interpretation with our solicitor and the display you asked about was removed yesterday. So this is what a little bit of organization can get you in a very short period of time, folks. So that display, from my understanding, according to this, has been taken down. So sometimes, Which, just- you know, sometimes you don't want to have a lawsuit. Uh, draining your school school assets. You think? You think? So I'm just waiting to see what the backlash of this is going to be from the uh, Joan Collins and the kind of the the new, uh, especially our, our new QAnon um, kind of board member. I'm cur- curious. Canceling she, Christmas. I'm sure. Yeah, the war on Christmas is in full gear. I mean, like, I mean, look, you got Fox's Christmas tree getting burnt down. You got this display of kind of like, you know, hellfire being taken down. Sean, I don't know what's, you know, the war on Christmas. It's real, man. It's real. So anyways, um, so I just thought I'd leave you all with that one. So um, anything else in the PA focus, Sean? Um, no, nothing else really going on, but I got some things coming up. Got some things coming up. Very, very cool. All right, yes. we're going to take a quick we're gonna break. Work. We're going to take a quick Working break. on some fun. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about this on the other side. We'll uh, talk about, we'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back right after this quick break with uh, this week's last call. How many times can I say quick break in one sentence? That's a big question. All right, we'll be right back after this
This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken Press. For the past seven years, Raging Chicken Press has brought pull-no-punches, progressive reporting and commentary to the interwebs. Our long-form investigative pieces, stories that no access journalist wants to touch, or rollicking weekly podcasts strive to advance progressive movements and perspectives rooted in the struggles happening across the country or down the street. We've broken national stories and caused our share of discomfort in the halls of power. If we want a progressive future, we need progressive media. And you can help support Pull No Punches, homegrown progressive media today. Become a member of Raging Chicken Press for as little as $5 a month. Simply go to patreon.com slash rcpress and choose your membership level. We need to make sure to keep the movement in the media and the media in the movement. Best way you can do that is to become a member of Raging Chicken today by going to patreon.com slash rcpress. Thank you for your energy, your encouragement, and your support. Keep up the fight. Everybody, everybody, welcome, welcome. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Rage Check, and here once again with Sean Kitchens for this week's last call. Um, this is uh, just uh, any uh, anybody can help me out with this. If you look in the chat right now, we always get these, uh, you know, what I assume are bots, right, that are kind of posting in the comments. There's one you'll see in the chat, one by Susan Stokes. That's V A S K period then T E C H Vask Tech. And then another one that came up by Gladys McCoy, but V-A-W-R dot, dot tech, right? Um, if anybody knows how just to kind of uh, completely get rid of those permanently, I'd love to know. Um, so I keep on, uh, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, right now I'm going to put that user in a timeout because that's fun. Um, and I'm going to put this user in uh, a timeout too as well. So that's going to be fun. You know, I also got timed out this week. Do tell me. Hassan Piker. Boom! <laughs> With Crackergate, did you have you been following this? A, a little bit, and I was just like, "What?" I think it's hilarious. I, I don't know if it's like a hill to die on, but I mean, I think it's I think it's funny. Uh, I think it also shows you that like how the right wing is still using online spaces in a way that like others aren't catching up to. Yep. So, Crackergate is big deal. Uh, so some quick space news, everybody. This is like, uh, for me, this is like one of the best Christmas presents I could possibly get. Um, NASA's James Webb Telescope is set to launch uh, as early as Christmas Eve. Um, it's going to always, as always, it's going to depend on weather. Um, it's going to be launching from French Guiana um, on December 24th, at, or the earliest of December 24th. Um, the James Webb Telescope is, um, you probably have seen pictures of it by now. It's these kind of different panels, and there's these big gold hexagons that are put together in an array. And it is going to be, you know, they're calling it the next, say, great observatory that is going to basically take, if you think about all the images that have come out of the Hubble telescope, um, assuming this works and it gets deployed fine and all that kind of stuff, this is supposed to give us pictures even deeper into the universe. 
um, I, I'm just thrilled. I, my, I used to have a wallet with the, uh, with the kind of the, the, the array kind of that was on the side of it, you know, and I, until I just basically wore it thin, um, and had to replace it. But it was like, I, I this is just going to be really cool. It was put into its housing this week. It was, uh, from my understanding, it's been sealed. Um, it's getting ready to go. And, um, the plan is that we may get on Christmas Eve or Christmas day or some days after that, the launch of the James Webb telescope. That's going to be a huge, um, can a huge deal. And my understanding is also it's put out in orbit a little bit further um, in order to um, allow it a, a kind of better range of sight um, from my understanding. So do check that out if you want. I'll be really excited about that. I might even do uh, if there's a if there's a launch. I was even toying around with doing like a like a watch party um, for uh, on Patreon. Do it. It'll probably be like me watching it and just be on Patreon, right? Uh, but just for fun. Um, and then on the other side of it, Elon Musk, who was if you saw this, was just kind of given like Times like Person of the Year, which is disgusting at so many different levels. Right. Um, you know, one of my favorite one of my favorite uh, responses to that was somebody who took up. I can't believe I'm going to forget the guy's name, but, the, you know, the, the African-American um, Capitol Hill police officer who basically stopped people from coming in. There's a picture of him kind of saying halt to the, um, you know, uh, uh, um, the insurrectionists who were kind of like charging in the Capitol. The picture of him and his mask like how, and kind of stepping them off and having him as the person of the year. That was a great contrast in my mind. As opposed to freaking like self-absorbed Elon Musk, who just got himself a freaking fascist haircut um, for the uh, Zorg. Oh my God, it's crazy, <laughs> crazy. You know, and here's the thing that okay, this is uh, whatever. He calls himself. This this is also disturbing. He calls himself a utopian anarchist, right? Which is like the most like ridiculous. Fr- it just shows you how like where his brain so you're is. You're a libertarian. At. Right. I'd like, I mean, it's just like, whatever. It's like so absolutely insanely. It's like he's a capitalist as like, it's like the, I mean, in every step of the way, he's a capitalist, right? He just wants everybody else to do his bidding. And the, the irony of it, if Grimes, who I guess they got divorced now or they're split up or whatever like this, right? They got married, had a kid and they named it a bunch of numbers and letters. And, uh, um, and Grimes, she's been doing this kind of stuff for a while about talking about like, interstellar anarchism or something like this like like she's an odd duck she's an odd duck right um but she's got all this stuff too and so it's almost like he like absorbed this part of her personality right like a freaking amoeba um and kind of now is kind of proclaiming to be this because she gave him the language to kind of say you know i'm a whatever utopian anarchist so it's just crazy but anyways, SpaceX uh, is looking at several uh, five in particular um, sexual harassment allegations from five former employees. Um, and my guess is this is not going to be the last. All right. Um, is that my guess is that we're going to start seeing um, more and more of these, um, especially since you've seen a change in the NL- uh, National Labor Relations Board. Um, more of these allegations about um, kind of abuses that are happening at work, not just in terms of sexual harassment, but also abusive workers um, is actually going to start emerging from SpaceX and Tesla and all these other kind of organizations. Um, so we shall see. So I think that person of the year thing is going to be a negative, a net negative for uh, uh, Elon Musk, because I think it's going to bolster a lot of people who are going to be pissed off by that. And they're going to bring those allegations forward. So um, do follow that out. 
Um, last bit of space news is that uh, NASA's Ingenuity, Hel Ingenuity helicopter, um, it just crashed the across the 30 minutes of flight time threshold, which is, I mean, it might not sound like a big, but it's a huge deal. This is a, a little experimental like um, helicopter that was sent to see if it was going to be possible to fly. And they had planned, I think, and initially, if they could get it to fly, they're going to do three flights. And now it's basically at flight 18. Um, it's given some crazy pictures um, of Mars, and now it's got people thinking all sorts of different ways of using this kind of technology, right, to fly out ahead. It's actually done some scouting missions for the Perseverance rover, um, which is great. The Perseverance rover, which I didn't put this in the notes, just released yesterday for a JDL, the... Uh, um, um, uh, the the jet or JPL I'm sorry the Jet Propulsion League, um they just laboratory laboratory sorry I'm sorry my phone just rang so it <laughs> threw me off, uh the Jet Propulsion Laboratory NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory just released a video of this and it was nobody was expecting it but it was like this like high def video that uh, of kind of a scan of uh the landscape of where Perseverance rover is and it was just freaking amazing, um and I know like you know sort of some people just are gonna roll their eyes every time I talk about this stuff but it just it really just like it floors me it floors me um, the other thing i didn't talk about there's a new company that says that they're going to start launching this stuff i believe in 2025 um but it's like it's called spin launch i think is the name of the company um this is just really interesting right because um one of the big things i eventually i have to wrestle with this every time i get so excited about space is that for every launch that there's you know every time there's a launch you're talking about major amounts of carbon emissions Right. Um, and, you know, so you got a, a, a clear clash. Right. I don't care how many kind of, you know, electric vehicles Tesla produces or how many solar panels they produce is that you're also kind of basically wiping that out with your kind of rocket launches. And they're they're, they're planning on like three, like almost back to back launches over the next kind of couple of weeks, I believe, um, you know, before actually before the end of the year that's a huge challenge. It's what the spin launch does. You know, if you think about like a hammer throw in the Olympics where you got to spin around like and kind of whip it and th whip it good, right? <laughs> got to throw it. That's kind of like the, the setup for, to launch these satellites. Um, and they have some stuff in the desert where they've, uh, they're beginning to test this big spin thing. And it seems like, like a complete fantasy, right? But you know, the thing does, it kind of whips around, whips around and just kind of like throws at high speed, these, uh, you know, uh, these kind of rocket things, right, um, into into orbit, right? And I guess I guess it it throws at such great speed, um, and that it does still need a boost at the last part in order to just to get it get it to orbit, but it uses such significantly less fuel that they're saying they can start launching this stuff. Now it's still pretty small. You have to have fairly small things. And I, I in my head, I'm just kind of like. How is like a, a fragile satellite going to survive like those kind of like G forces inside this little spinny thing? But whatever, that's happening too. So, anyways, so that's my space news for the end of the year. Uh, you know, for twenty twenty one, and uh, I, I just I, I have to say, Sean, that it's uh, I, I'm I you know what I should say to everybody too as well that we're not gonna we're not we won't be doing a show next week, um, and um, probably not the next week. Yeah, not the next week either. Um, if anything at all, I'll, I'll I might throw in some uh, some bonus content for folks or something like this if I if I can if I can pull it off. It's kind of a short break break for my kids and for me this year, so uh, we're gonna take the next couple of weeks off and we're gonna see you on the flip side of things. But um, so what do you got planned for the holidays, Sean? Or what do you got kind of going on in your neck of the woods? Um, well, when we got home on Tuesday, um, nice. my looking forward to that, taking the train home again. 
Um, not really going doing too much. Well, I'll be running her. My mom just got her knee replaced. Uh, she had her one done a couple years ago, so she got the last one done yesterday. She doing okay with it? Yeah, it went successful. I will be uh, cooking dinner a few nights nice. next week. Yeah, looking forward to that. I'm running to Ninth Street Italian Market, uh, all over Bucks, Montgomery County, and different places. So, looking to go to Forest in Maine. And their new spot, I was able to go there when the last time I was home. You're going to have to walk there, right? <laughs> yeah, I won't be able to walk there. Uh, I'll be able to use my parents' car. Oh, that's so. good. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mom, my mom has a bum knee, so she's not going to be going anywhere anyway. Uh, that's convenient. Might try to meet up with a couple people, you know, see how everything is going, checking in with the, uh, the you know, some of the school board people that we've been able to talk to over the past year or so. Get down there, throw some money around, kind of this. Yeah, <laughs> buy people some drinks and things like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. But so, I'm looking forward. It seems like this year went fast. Yeah. Like, I mean, even just like the reorganizing that we did with Spotlight, and just you know how quickly we've been able to like. I feel like we're still reorganizing. We're, we're we're building now but it's it feels like it's just like one of those never-ending things yeah. so that's pretty awesome well I, you know i have to say i want to i want to give a shout out to all my students um i have no idea if any of my students listen to this or not but um i want to give a shout out to all my students this year it's like i have to say is that um i'm still in the middle of grading and everything like this but i say you know students in in across the board in my classes, they produced some awesome, awesome stuff this year. And it, it was not easy, right? I think that um, the expectations that a lot of folks came into the semester with was, you know, kind of what, you know, President Hawkinson of Kutztown basically said, yeah, we're back to normal, pre-pandemic and blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, for a lot of students that was they were excited about that. And I totally get that, right? Kind of coming back to college and getting back to where they wanted to be and all this stuff. And then, you know, by like week five, it all settled in. This is a lie. What's that? This is You're like, this is bullshit. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of, but not just that this is bullshit, but just kind of like, like, you know, that the weight of the realization that this, this, it's not going back to normal. This, this yeah. is not normal. This is not, this doesn't feel right. Right. It, and then all the, the weight, uh, this is just my description of it. And I, I, I've been talking to people a lot about this stuff and they're sim seeing similar things and, and you know, the, from themselves, me too, as well, you start to feel the weight of the past kind of like, you know, 18 months, two years of this pandemic. And uh, it's a lot. And so, and, to, and I think that we you saw a lot of, a lot of my students just being very, very reflective and critical, of, you know, and I don't mean critical. It's like, rah, 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 but I mean, very reflective and thoughtful about, um, what this what this has meant this period of time has meant and that's coming out in the work that they were doing uh, the writing that they were doing and discussions in class and i just want to give a huge shout out to all them and my students and all the students at kutztown and students are kind of across the board who have actually um you know have fought through right um this semester and kind of coming back because it's a it is definitely a new uh a, a, like a new world and none of us know where this is gonna where this is gonna head up so um it's tough Right. Especially in a context where you've got, um, you know, like you work at a university where, the, you know, they keep on cutting staff. There's there's not enough faculty to teach the classes. Um, students can't get classes that they need. And they're kind of like just told, well, oh, you're having a problem. You want you to just go elsewhere. Um, meanwhile, you know, that same administration is kind of throwing out all this kind of great PR stuff. We're like, hey, everything is great. 
just uh, great. There was a, I'll give you a perfect example of this, and I, I probably should talk about this earlier. There was a fire in Burke's Hall, right? Which is one of the which is one of the big dorms on on Kutztown University's campus. There was a fire at like one o'clock in the morning or something like this on I think it was Sunday night, maybe Tuesday night or, or Monday night into the morning or one of those two. And um, there's I, I know some um, parents of kids. Right, um, who attend there, and actually turns out that they, their 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 kids um, uh, lived in Burke's Hall, and um, they found out about the fire in Burke's Hall, um, either directly from their kid or from the news reports. That they never received anything from the administration to let them know that there was a fire and that their kids are okay. Right. So on the one hand, you'll spend your PR dollars to show that everything's great. But when you have something like this, where you're going to have people that are going to be generally because nobody was hurt or anything like this, but people are, are, you know, they're displaced. It's a finals week. And now suddenly they you know, can't don't have access to their to their rooms. And there was a fire and all this kind of stuff. And you don't even have the decency to immediately like send something to parents to let them know that their kids are OK. Let them know what happened. Um, and so they can make plans. So that's just the kind of world that, that we all live in over at Kutztown. So anyways, um, that's my glorious end of the year message, Sean. <laughs> but anything you want to say to everybody as we kind of uh, close out this year and look forward to the next? Um, yeah, I'll have a little happy. I think, I think a little happy reflections, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this year, um, I think you would agree with this. I think this is like one of our best years of the podcast numbers wise yeah oh yeah yeah. like like in building an audience like you know and i feel like it goes to show the importance of having sorry i got something stuck in mind my sorry (laughs) we're gonna gonna close out we're gonna close out the podcast for the year once i die online live (laughs) (laughs) no i I, 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 like just like a like like an air stuck in my chest like you know what i mean yeah like yeah that, like it's so, okay sean i know you're tearing up it's okay I, i'm old, I'm old. <laughs> you, you choked up <laughs> no but no it's amazing seeing you know i've said this plenty of times before but seeing the the connections or like online because i get to see it on the back end you know like the crowds i think or the really the important thing is like i think we've built a really good community this year around the school board races yeah uh, especially like in Bucks and Montgomery counties, which is like where we're from originally. And, you know, it's, it's good. And I think we're seeing, we're definitely seeing that crossover with, you know, PA spotlight. Um, you know, I feel like there's, you know, um, talking to the people in Southeastern PA, you know, they're plugged into the work with the podcast and like with spotlight. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty cool seeing how those two are linked together. I agree. You, you know, know watching it, us, like watching, like the two of the two of us, like grow together with this. Because, I mean, I wasn't expecting our organization to have the growth we did this year, but yeah. like, you know, just the two-person show with me and Ross are pretty much putting up the blogs and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. I mean, if you think back to you know, you think back to 2011 when we first um, launched Raging Chicken, just the you know the original blog, when we were doing like kind of one online issue per month. Right. Uh, I can remember these these back and forth with Sean. Sean be like, we should be publishing more. We should be publishing like every day. We shouldn't just do it once a month. Like, and I was <laughs> and like, I'm still like just now. Like, I, I, I know. And I was like, and I was like, I was like, uh, well, we'll maybe we'll get there. Maybe we'll get there, right? Because I'm always like, 
I know the labor that's involved. I've got to do this kind of stuff like step by step in order to kind of get there. Right. But uh, Sean's always kind of pushed me um, kind of really positive ways. And actually to see um, uh, happy holidays to you, Kirsten, too, as well. Yes, even better. Twenty twenty two. The one thing I'll have to say, you know, say with in uh, well, a few things. The one I want to think, you know, I will say. Go ahead. Sorry. I will say that like, I still have that same attitude though here with yeah. my current job. Just like, you know, it, for me, like I, come on, I tell come on, Ross, come on, come on. <laughs> no, like I played sports and all that. So yeah. playing football and playing line, just like you never keep your, never stop your legs from moving because as soon as you stop, you're going to lose that leverage. And for me, it's just like, you know, keep on chopping, like keep pounding away. Yep. So oh, I hear you. But I also, you know, I also played sports my entire life, too, as well. And, like, <laughs> and uh, I was also taught to kind of like uh, play smartly and strategically, uh, not just go for the sake of going. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. See, like, high school football is different. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're I, in the sled, like when you're on that sled, never stop moving. Yep, yep, yep. There you go. Um, but, you know, I do want to say, uh, well, 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 one of the things is a reflection and then one is, 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 is like a thank you and a close out is like, you know, we have I'm glad you said that about the podcast, too, as well, because I do think, you know, that's but was one of my goals this year is to really expand what we're doing here. I mean, Sean and I have been doing this. What we've been doing this since, what, 2016. Right. I mean, I think it's when we first really, yeah, the, really did it. Yeah. Like, uh, no, 2016. Like like that, like being of that year, probably. Yeah, we had a, you know, because like there we had done like a, a couple of things and then I had did some interviews, but it was really, hap- you know, once in a while and we did this. And then my goal for this year was really, okay, let's really get this, let's get this into a rhythm. Let's expand what we're doing. I mean, we got, you know, the anchor has been this show on Fridays. Um, but then, you know, we added in, you know, the, the Monday interview show, which has been fantastic um, and really has um, kind of wet my appetite for doing even more of that. Um, but I'm hyper conscious of the, you know, of like, OK, just barely being able to hold it together <laughs> um, as it is, especially then, you know, reconnected with Cyril Michaleko. And then Cyril and I started doing, um, you know, a third show on Wednesdays. And it's been tough. You know, that's been tough. I mean, Cyril and I have been um, I love that show, but it's like, you know, our schedules are really it's really tough to get our schedules to line up at times. We were in a rhythm there over the summer um, because we didn't have these a lot of these outside obligations of you know our, our day job. Um but uh, it's been more difficult as the semester. So hopefully we're going to find a, a rhythm there um, because his work at the, you know, the, the Bucks County Courier Times has been um, just outstanding. And to have kind of linked that up with the show and uh, as being one other, you know, one other node in this network of building out a progressive media site um, and, and a community. And if I so I want to say that, you know, if I, I'm looking forward to the goals for um, for 2022 and I've got I've got a couple of them that I'll share with everyone. I'll, I'll do a, a, a Patreon one about this, too, as well, is that um, uh, the first one is to we're going to get the website back up and running. Um, I mean, our website at RagingChickenPress.org is is still there. I mean, you can go see it. There's some articles over there. You'll see the content is pretty stale. Um, um, but you know, it, it updates here and it's going to, we're going to have a, a more of a streamlined site there that it's going to really, it's going to be a sp- like a one-stop shop. Basically it's going to give you a, uh, 
Um, it's going, you know, to foreground our podcast, right? It's going to be a space where the podcast is going to be posted to as well um, to kind of build out folks there. Um, it's also going to highlight some of our, um, the other kind of podcasts and places that we support, right? So hope we're going to pull a feed in there from Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast and the kind of Rick Smith show to try to kind of, you know, help um, drive content to their places, their sites too as well. Um, but then also bring back some people writing. Uh, I've been, um, I've been, talking with some folks for, for a few months now who are interested in doing some writing. Um, got some folks um, who are patrons of the show, um, who are, who've done great, great work. And um, I'm going to be reaching out to some of them to see if they'd like to kind of, you know, do some writing and some content for, uh, for the website and um, to kind of build out and support what's happening here in Bucks County. Cause I think that's absolutely um, critical. My other goal is to, um, you know, is to is to keep on driving the content in our in our podcast um, to assist the organizing that is going on and down the down on the ground because it's a. Uh, I think we play, you know, we can play a role. Um, and again, I, I'm not saying the role that this is is the same as or or is we should be doing this as opposed to organizing. No, the organizers are doing amazing work. And this is why we also need left progressive media so that we can actually highlight that stuff and constantly um, being putting, um, you know, uh, a spotlight on it. So. A lot of good stuff. And I've got some other things too as well that I won't, I, I, I won't, I mean, I've already mentioned this to people. There's going to be more patron, uh, uh, Patreon only content for our patrons. Um, that's going to be more uh, kind of short bits here and there, maybe some reflective pieces. I got one that I, in my head that I, I wanted to do um, this week, but I've got to get my grading done first. I always got to remind myself that before I could start doing that content. But um, and looking for ways that we can start using these spaces now to kind of build out our community even more. Um, and that includes our Discord, um, our Discord space. Um, we've been slowly getting members of our, um, our folks kind of logging in and become, joining our Discord. Um, but I haven't put a ton of energy into it at this point, just simply because, you know, I, like like I was saying before, I kind of do things that kind of one step of the time slowly so I don't get kind of completely overwhelmed. And that's something I've learned only by experience of doing it the other way for far too long. So. Um, it's pretty crazy. Sean's like, nah, 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 just go, 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 go. <laughs> Throw shit against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, okay. You say that after you have two kids, okay? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It's so anyway, I'm not going to have kids. Yeah, well, there you go. Snip, yeah, snip. <laughs> um, so the other thing I want to say is a, a huge thank you to all of our listeners, our supporters, the people who've come on our show. Um, I have been uh, and, and to like our, our Twitter crew. Holy crap. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I look at the folks who have been just blasting out our content Um just, you know, like Kirsten, obviously she's on the show today or not on the show, but she's been in the, you know, in the chat today. Um, thanks so much. Um, you know, I, I look at all the folks. Um, I'm just trying to look, get through. I always forget all the names. I mean, I'm just looking at all these folks that have been tweeting out our content. Um, like Starry Eyes is huge. Mel's of Z's huge. Um, um, uh, Lindy M has been kind of retweeting kind of a bunch of our content lately, which has been fantastic. Um, Chuck, thank you, Chuck. Chuck is actually, um, not only is he tweets out our content and shares the stuff and comments on stuff, he's also one of our um, newest patrons. Um, 
thank out to everybody who spent their time in um, kind of sharing our content and supporting our work. Um, you know, especially thanks goes to those folks who have been patrons of the show, um, you know, who've joined at the $10 a month level, the $5 a month level. Even we have some folks who are at the $25 a month level. Thanks to all of you to making this possible. Um, and we hope that, you know, we could reach out to you to kind of help us grow even more. Um, not for the sake of growing for itself, but to try to be impactful in terms of building the kind of progressive movements that we need right here in Bucks County, right, but across the, um, Pennsylvania too as well. So, and Sean, I also want to thank you, man, for, uh, you know, like, you know, being like, I, I know in many ways, kind of my, my moment of sanity, at least every week and kind of partner in this endeavor. Um, it's been, you know, it, it's been quite something to, to see what we can do. Um, and even when it gets, even when it gets kind of like drudgery at times, I think, you know, uh, it, it's, it's pretty amazing that when things come together, man, holy crap, it's amazing. Quote Mark Price, keep rowing. <laughs> there you go. Keep there you go. Keep it going. Keep your feet moving into the sled. Don't stop growing. <laughs> there you go. Don't stop growing. There you have it. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, I wish everybody, uh, I mean, we're all we're already in the holiday season, um, but I wish everybody uh, a, a kind of a, a joyous holiday season. Um, however you celebrate or don't celebrate, uh, I wish you all a good new year. Um, please, everybody stay safe. Uh, be careful as like we see these spikes in the, uh, you know, in the coronavirus stuff. Um, I, I, I just want everybody to be safe and kind of make it through. And we're going to see everybody on the flip side. We'll see you in uh, 2022 back here on Out the Coops, the Friday Politics Roundup. Remember, we do have a show coming up for you on this Monday um, that will be with uh, Christopher Rodkey, and we're going to be talking about religion, politics, and the struggle for justice, um, and his newly launched campaign in the PA 93rd. So um, wish you all kind of happy holidays, uh, a great new year, and I am so excited and looking forward to what we can accomplish in, in 2022. So, Sean, have a fantastic holiday. Uh, have a great new year, and we'll see you on the flip side, man. See you later. Enjoy your, enjoy your Christmas. Oh, you got it, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right, everybody. Uh, I'm going to go start doing some grading now and try to get this uh, podcast out and ready for everybody to hear um, wherever we did our podcast. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. See you on the flip side. See ya. <laughs>